This podcast is clean. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another FudsOnFilm.com podcast. Uh, in this compare and contrast episode, I will be playing the part of Craig Eastman and playing the part of Scott Morris. Is Scott Morris? Well, hello. And playing the part of Bruiser McGee is Drew Tabendale. Hi. <laughs> Excellent. For reasons known well, only. To, <laughs> for reasons help. known. Reasons known only to the void, uh, we will be comparing and contrasting Enter the Dragon with Bloodsport today, apparently because Enter the Dragon is cool and Bloodsport is not. So Because that- Bolo Young is in both of them. It's a Bolo Young um, compare and contrast. There we go. There's our reason. <laughs> Awesome. It's good enough for me. And it's good enough for me. And so probably it behooves us not to not to have too much fanfare before we move swiftly on. Um, are we going to start with the good or the bad? The I think we'll start with the good. Oh, excellent. Scott. True. True. <laughs> Thank you, Scott. <laughs> Don't think. Feel. It's like a finger pointing away to the moon. Do not concentrate on a finger, or you will miss all of the heavenly glory. I just like that line. I, I have no particular reason to mention that just now, but um, it's good practical it's, kung fu advice. I find well, it I is. Find so too. It's I find probably, I very rarely get to the end of that sentence though before I've had my head kicked in by my opponent. <laughs> <laughs> it never, it never seems to sway the angry man at the other end of my fists. <laughs> I know it's worked well for me because I tend not to have missed the heavenly glory, so I'm apparently doing it right. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> this isn't going to be a <laughs> to edit already. I wanted to restrain myself from making a fisting joke, so that's always a good sign. <laughs> <laughs> what are we? We're three minutes in to, this, <laughs> to the point at which we recorded, not even the start of the episode, and only the vodka is making this tolerable. As you were, Drew. The last film of the legendary Bruce Lee, Enter the Dragon, is probably the seminal martial arts film. Certainly, it's difficult to think of one more well-known. For that reason, I am going to keep this introduction particularly brief before we go on to discuss it, but I suppose I should at least give you a brief rundown of the plot. It's Hong Kong, 1973. Highly skilled Shaolin fighter Lee, Bruce Lee, is approached by British intelligence and asked to go undercover for them in a martial arts contest that is being held in the private island of Han, played by Shi Qian. Mr Han Man is a bad man but the authorities lack the critical evidence of his drug and human trafficking activities to convict him, and it is this evidence that Lee is asked to obtain. To add motivation for Lee, Han Man's right-hand man-man, O'Hara Man, is also a very bad man. <laughs> oh, man. And is responsible for the death of Lee's sister, man. Fighting in a tournament during the day, Lee sneaks out at night to find the evidence he needs, and eventually finds himself facing off against Mr. Han Man-man. In a film like this, plot is, of course, fairly inconsequential, but here it is solid, if uninspired. It's very easy to imagine almost exactly the same plot being in a Bond film of the same era. And Bruce Lee is a very engaging presence both in and out of action, and he acquits himself well throughout. He's given strong support from Jim Kelly and John Saxon, his fellow contestants Williams and Roper, and Bolo Young is a suitably menacing opponent. What else to say? I suppose perhaps one of the most famous things about Enter the Dragon is the sounds. Curious to know that the film was actually shot silently, so everything was dubbed in afterwards. Uh, some of this more obvious than others, including the fact that the, the Chinese man that, the, that runs Shaolin Temple sounds entirely <laughs> convincing. <laughs> and still keeping on with the sound, 
the sounds of Bruce Lee fighting his opponents are the sounds of martial arts films. (laughs) 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 Punch. Fix that in post. (laughs) Craig Bear played by a theremin. The fighting is also endlessly watchable and the fights are suitably crunchy in many ways matching up to the visceral impacts of more modern fare like Ong Bak or The Raid. And few martial arts stars, indeed few actors, are or were capable of portraying the sort of haunted anguish seen in Lee's eyes and face when he kills O'Hara. And the man also had an absolutely killer stare. Uh, If you have any regard for martial arts films at all, then presumably you've seen this already. But if not, then rectify this forthwith. Hmm. Yes, it's a terrific film, isn't it? I've I've always liked this film. I, I don't know whether it's my favourite of Bruce Lee's films. I've mm. um I, I've been out of my Bruce Lee phase for a while now, but I've sort of watched his earlier stuff like The Big Boss and yeah uh, such like. And I think if my memory serves, some of the fight choreography is a little better in his uh, Hong Kong work. However, yeah. just the sheer lavishness of this set design and everything that's going on here makes it just a, an absolute feast to watch. Um, and yeah, it's not like it's very far behind on the fighting scope either. So, yeah, it's, it's perhaps the best of both worlds. I, I've i always thought, with Bruce Lee, right, This obviously this was his last film before he died, and this was very much at the height of his, well, obviously, at this point, his career was still building, so obviously the fact that he he died shortly after means, yes, this was his career at its peak, uh, for no other reason than... He was no longer. He was no longer there. Yes, he he reached the end of a very definite graph. <laughs> I think I would. I would probably agree with you, Scott, and that I and I enjoy. I I had that really nice Bruce Lee box set that became available when the films were finally released uncut in the UK back in I want to say like the early two thousands, mm. and they were they were released in a really beautiful sort of box set. I had, and I, to this day, I still don't know where that DVD box set went, and it breaks my heart. <laughs> but that was probably the last time I watched them, and I recall really liking the Big Boss and I think Game of Death as well because it's got big Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in it for, for some reason. Um, as much as I struggle to remember most of them, it's been so long that Game of Death I, I remember is one I particularly enjoyed. Yeah, yeah. And I think there is a lot of the problem I have now going back and watching something like Enter the Dragon is that with Bruce Lee, it's quite difficult to separate the man from the myth and an awful lot of what Bruce Lee became was the myth. And there's an awful lot of bullshit that surrounds Bruce Lee. Some of it cultivated willingly and some of it uh, imagineered willingly, which, you know, in the years after his death, which you can understand because he was a he was a massively influential character who was coming from a part of the world that really was only just opening up to Western culture at that point. Everybody was Kung Fu fighting as a result of Bruce Lee. And you can you can understand that in being swept along with this craze that a huge mythos was built around the man, a large amount of which was absolute nonsense, um, to be honest with you. And when you separate that from Bruce Lee, when you separate the legend from the actor, what you're left with is a guy who essentially, um, aside from his obvious fighting skills, was undeniably gifted with a huge deal of charisma. Mm-hmm which is not something that I think a lot of modern martial artists can claim to the same degree. No. At at the point at which Enter the Dragon was released, I find that it repre- I think it represents Lee at his 
physical peak. Like, I watch this film now and I think the joy, as we will talk about soon, there are (laughs) different ways in which to enjoy martial arts movies. There are martial arts movies where the enjoyment simply comes from watching um, adults at the point at which this movie was released, largely grown men, but increasingly uh, modernly, as as is rightfully so, also women now, kicking each other in the head in a variety... It never loses its charm, really. Yes, in a variety of balletic and um, very uh, viscerally pleasing ways, and really just in a sort of pure visceral entertainment form. And then there are also movies which are born more of choreography, and are enjoyed more in the sense of art in the way that perhaps you would enjoy dance. Um, And it's probably only in recent years with um, more recent movies coming out of um, sort of Thailand and uh, that that part of the world and some of the Hong Kong action movies, I think arguably with Jet Li and whatnot, that actually we have have successfully seen a blend of the two. At this point with Enter the Dragon, when I watch it now... I look at it and I think the enjoyment comes from watching Bruce Lee as a physical specimen moving the way that he does. Because I see through the bullshit and actually what I enjoy about this movie is watching this amazing, beautiful choreography and ballet of physique in motion and also the sheer charisma of the man. It's quite a thing to behold. You could watch this movie. You could watch the fight scenes of this movie in silent, and it's absolutely fascinating just to watch Bruce Lee move as a physical specimen. The, at this point in the guy's career, it's it's terrible that uh, that we were robbed of him uh, because honestly, to watch Bruce Lee now, when I look at him now, I'm like, oh my god, the the lats on the guy. He looks like a human wingsuit. <laughs> he's just well, I can't remember what the when people talk about oh his body fat levels of flat. He's just like this perfect physical specimen moving in the most amazing, beautiful way to watch. It's absolutely fascinating. He was a wiry little man. He was uh, incredibly sprung. <laughs> but the the problem I have with it now is that by this point, also, I think there was while this arguably represents the peak of the choreography and the production of Bruce Lee's movies. I, it's also problematic for me that it represents the peak of the bullshit surrounding him and the effort to crowbar in the mysticism and the symbolism and efforts like the fight with Han in the Hall of Mirrors at the end and whatnot. I, I find that distracting now. And it's just a shame that at the point at which this guy was mastering the craft so well that also the mythology that he was cultivating around himself was also, I think at the time, probably easier to appreciate. Now, I just find it really distracting. And per- that's perhaps just me, but I I think that's a reason why I enjoy the likes of Game of Death and Big Boss Mores. I find them almost purer and there's less distraction there, whereas I feel like everything about Lee's presence and Lee's physical adeptness was countered by an equal amount of sort of nonsensical mysticism and when you talk about the famous quote about obviously the finger pointing at the moon when i watch that now i just think oh my god really i'm cringing at that a bit now um i did have the same reaction myself at that point but i think i always have and um but for me it's only that scene as soon as he actually starts Picking up and, uh, and it is basically the, the scene of the film. Yeah, and, and I don't, yeah. I don't see it anywhere else. Like I, I don't mention, don't see it in the sort of the, the fights at the end. Um, I just mm. thought it was quite a really nice, uh, imaginatively set design, defending slash choreographed uh, fight. Listen, if you hate mirrors, 
then... <laughs> I suppose that's true. <laughs> this is the film for you. Yeah, but I thought there's lots of quite nice shots the way they've done that, and there's quite a strong cinematography presence throughout the, the, like moments like where he's sneaking around and it's like it mm. winds up being the shadow you're focusing on that that kind of thing there's those yeah. really nice shots so that was really well engineered but i didn't really get any of the mysticism on it apart from i mean obviously it's thrown every um piece of hmm. somewhat stereotypical uh, chinese culture you can throw into it yeah um, i think a lot i, I think but. a lot of it is baggage that you bring along with knowing the mythology around bruce lee that has grown since Right. Um, I, f- I find it difficult to separate from that now and I always think about now perhaps stripping away more than is fair to do when I watch the film now but I find it so difficult and I wonder how many people still buy the mythology of Bruce Lee when they are watching a Bruce Lee movie does that make sense? I'm not sure, I don't think so But right. I, because seems- actually I'm not in love with this movie I'm in love with watching Bruce Lee kick people in the head because when he does it, it's amazing and even when he does the weapon stuff, like the famous nunchuck scene and stuff. Now, in terms of... I, I used to work with a guy who was quite highly rated. Um, I can't remember which martial art he practised. But the whatever the martial art which uses bow sticks and nunchucks and whatnot, uh, whatever that weapon-based martial art is, he was also like a certified trainer in that. And he would be the first person to tell you that, Craig, if I tried to set about you with a pair of nunchucks... That is the circumstance in which you would be able to beat me. Because actually, as a weapon, it's completely ridiculous and impractical. And he gave me a set of training nunchucks, which are like foam-wrapped ones so that you can't knock yourself unconscious with them to practice with, purely as an upper body workout. He said, it's a brilliant fitness tool. Take this home. This is when I was still uh, rock climbing. Uh, Take take these home and practice with these. Um, This is great upper body workout, but it's a completely, he said, as a fighting mechanic, it's absolute bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but by God, does that still look so impressive? Yeah. When, but then I also think about the scenes where, when Bruce Lee's, uh, there are certain fights there where I think, um, if I understand correctly, there are certain scenes where the film was sped up, where they remove frames out to make his punches seem faster and whatnot. And I really wish they hadn't done that because I don't think you need to do that to appreciate what is amazing about mm. Bruce Lee when he was moving and when yeah. he was fighting. Yeah, that makes sense, yeah. So I find that sort of stuff, a knowledge of the sort of stuff like that that was going on and and, uh, and whatnot, I find really detracting. And I found it actually quite difficult to enjoy Enter the Dragon as a piece of entertainment this time round. But as a choreographed as a choreographed exercise in martial arts, I still think it is it's still a remarkable film. I still loved it. I enjoyed every moment of this. Uh, but I, th- I guess what I like is the... Particularly the fact that it's not all just Bruce Lee. I quite enjoy everyone else's fight sequence as well. I like what John Saxon and Jim Kelly does with their little kind of mm. double act and the uh, the betting stuff and all these other other mm. little pieces. Like the, I think possibly the best fight is actually um, Angela Mao's fight. You know, Bruce Lee's sister. Mm-hmm. Where they have that kind of sort of flashback, although it's not yeah. really a flashback. But again, it's just just a really nice little scene. Um, yeah, that's and, legit. Yeah, and it's also a bit refreshing to see you haven't seen a number of. Uh, Steven Seagal vehicles. <laughs> like, <laughs> Bruce Lee actually allowed people to hit him at some point, or at least on the film. Yes. You know, it, it did actually, like he was getting a couple of, you know, oh, he bleeds. Him in there. Yes. Uh, whereas, as opposed to having 100 goons bounce off Steven Seagal with no ill effect yeah. whatsoever, because he's Steven Seagal and he's better than Bruce yeah, Lee. Yeah, and Steven Seagal, <laughs> whose martial art is a defensive one, so he can't actually <laughs> attack people, he just relies on throwing them into scenery. <laughs> yes. I don't see that. It's quite interesting you mentioned these things, I think you were mentioned too, Craig, that. My experience of this film must be very different in that, well, first of all, A, I've never seen a Steven Seagal film, as we discussed before. What? <laughs> Which was exactly your reaction the last time I mentioned that. 
Yeah, we still have to uh, tie Drew down and force him to watch On Deadly Ground or something like that. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> when did we have this conversation? I uh, Aging action men, I suspect. Yeah. You've that never episode. seen a Seagal movie? No. I, I, listen, I'm not saying there aren't good Seagal movies. It's just, it's obviously Steven Seagal is a knob. <laughs> and he's also a really poor martial artist. <laughs> He slaps people largely and convinces them convinces them to throw themselves into scenery. You've never seen Under Siege, no, which is exactly what you said the last time. Also, um, you know, I think I've seen about well, I've probably seen thirty minutes here and there of Under Siege at various points. I've turned on the television when it was on. Mm-hmm. I've never seen a Steven Seagal film. I think the, the most sustained Steven Seagal action I've ever seen is that. Remember the series of orange adverts before um, yeah. films in the cinema about turning off your mobile phone? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's one with him in a chase in a golf buggy. Yes. Yeah, that's probably the most sustained Steven Seagal action I've ever seen. I can't uh, believe you've not seen Half Past Dead. Seagal. what podcast we're doing next. <laughs> <laughs> I'm ill that day. <laughs> so sorry, I'm I'm sorry because I've cut in there and I've 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 caused a diversion here, Drew. But you were going to say that you had a very different experience with this. Oh, I'm not, in as much as the way you two are talking about it, because I've never seen a Seagal film, for instance, to, to compare this to, and the way that yeah. Scott's talking about. It. And you are talking about this mythos around Bruce Lee, Craig, and I mm-hmm. honestly have no idea what you're talking about. Right. Cool. Um, I I I'm not aware of any mythos around Bruce Lee. I, as largely not Bruce Lee was a person who was in these films, and I've liked these films, and that's all I know about him. And, and to cool. be honest, all I care to know about him, I've, I've not gone out of my way to avoid knowing more things. And so I suspect you you have had the best possible experience you can have with Bruce Lee movies then. Perhaps so, yes. I, I simply massively appreciate the man's physical skill. Mm-hmm. And I also, and it's a lot to do with the, the charisma that you mentioned earlier too, I suspect. I, I think he's actually a genuinely good actor. Mm-hmm. And really, it's what I mentioned in my introduction too, just that bit when he, because he's, during his fights in the end of the dragon, he's fairly measured for most of it, apart from that time when he kills O'Hara, mm-hmm. because he's the man who was going to rape his sister. Mm-hmm. And just the look in his eyes when he does that, that that's powerful. Mm-hmm. And it's mm-hmm. just a look. Um, mm-hmm. So I think it's a genuine skill. And so I don't have this... I suppose baggage is the word, or potential baggage anyway, mm-hmm. around the film. That I just appreciate the skill of the, the martial arts, and that's why I like Enter the Dragon so much. It's, I watch this and I think, this martial arts is very good, and the sort of Bond-like action thing is and maybe forgettable, but it's still a decent enough framework to hang on, and I quite enjoy that. And let's be honest, when I, when I display uh, anything approaching a contrary opinion, and, and not contrary in the sense, because it's still... I would still happily sit and watch Enter the Dragon any old time. When I display an opinion list to the contrary, I am am quite frequently open, well, I'm always open to the fact that I will be entirely wrong in the eyes of of the majority. And anyone listening to this, feel free to to direct your vitriol and stuff, because I'm always pleased to hear a contrary opinion. Uh, What I will offer you is this, and I I did learn a lesson about discounting the mythos of Bruce Lee too much, because I remember this same person who loaned me the nunchucks. (laughs) There's There's a sense... The same person who loaned me the nunchucks, I also took the opportunity to dismiss to dismiss, sorry, uh, what I perceive to be the mythology of the one-inch punch mm. at the same time. And uh, this person said to me, oh, really? Hold this phone book to your chest. <laughs> and I said, why is that? And he said, because I'm going to show you why the one-inch punch isn't bullshit, and you're going to need this phone book so that it don't stop your heart. <laughs> and I said, okay. 
<laughs> you have my attention. <laughs> and <laughs> and I duly held the phone book to my chest. And so let's say in fairness, it's probably more like a two and a half inch punch because he distanced his fist from me by holding his index finger against the phone book to give him the distance necessary. And apparently it's all in the drop of the knee, lads. It's all in the drop of the knee. <laughs> and uh, he... He unleashed on me uh, what I can only describe as the most condensed ass-kicking I've ever had in my life. <laughs> and I landed flat in my arse, short of the overdramatic examples you will see um, of, if you go on YouTube and watch clips of Bruce Lee demonstrating the one-inch punch and people where they fly backwards into swivel chairs and fly across dojo mats, like, oh, wow. Um, but I did drop straight to my arse and immediately bruised my coccyx which made me think that if you're going to do this, use two phone books and put one of them down the back of your, tr- <laughs> put one of them down the back of your trousers. Um, so yeah, um, a, a lot of what Bruce Lee did and a lot of what Bruce Lee represented was couched in mythology, but a great deal of it is actually um, simply hyperbole, based on actual factual prowess and ability, just exaggerated. And you can understand why that would be for someone who's cultivating a career on the big screen in a genre of film that had come essentially from nowhere um, and become a craze. And so, yes, for that reason alone, uh, I am always prepared to admit that I will be entirely wrong about that sort of thing. The only, thing, uh, the only other thing I wanted to add uh, was that when I watch Enter the Dragon now, um, and we're talking about the entertainment value of actually how good John, see, watching John Saxon and separating him from the experience I had uh, with Eric Robertson, Dead or Alive, where it's like, man, this guy's not a martial artist at all. <laughs> I, I don't buy. I don't buy that John Saxon beat any of these people in his bouts. But um, he does look. He does have sort of a, a businessman look about him, doesn't he? It's, yeah, he does. He really look the part was, of it, was, was he? Because obviously, like a lot of these guys, when they were cast in the movies, stuff, they, it's because they were students of Bruce Lee. Was John Saxon one of his students? I don't think so. Um, no, I know Jim Kelly was a martial artist, but I don't yeah. know that. I don't think John Saxon was. He's explain entirely why Jim Kelly is more convincing as a martial artist than John Saxon. But John Saxon still lends a little bit of little bit of weight, which is nice. Yes, uh, we've somehow not mentioned it so far. I think I kind of hinted at it with the sound, but I also really like the music. Uh, it's another quality. Uh, Lalo, uh, Lalo Schifrin joined. Yeah. yeah, actually, yeah, Lalo Schifrin, which I completely forgot about until I saw his name pop up at the start, and I thought, oh yeah, forgot about that. You can't go wrong with a bit of Lalo. Yeah, and also um, worth pointing out, it's a very early um, appearance for Jackie Chan, who oh, rather yeah. ignominiously gets dispatched by Bruce Lee while he's um, infiltrating the facility with the heroin in it. Mm. That's um, right. But he also was involved with some of the the fight and stunt choreography. I was going to say, at that point, he was still very much coming up through the ranks of the stunt stuff, wasn't he? Yeah. Um, cool. Yeah, an early appearance with Jackie Chan. He's not on screen for him before Bruce Lee kills him, but um, <laughs> as a fan of Jackie Chan, it's always nice to see him at any point. <laughs> he had it coming. And also, as you say, the connecting tissue of this, other than thematically, would be Bolo Young. He, he does look like he could rip off your head, yes. doesn't he? Uh, yeah, he, he's a terrifying looking man. That scene where... Yeah. Um, there's, you know, the, when he um, breaks the spine of the, yeah. the guy who has the very protuberant eyes, um, but you could almost believe that those were actually um, being forced to, to protrude by the fact that Bolo Young was crushing him. <laughs> it's believable enough. Bolo Young is the closest we've come to answering that physics question of what happens when an immovable <laughs> force, <laughs> no, sorry, an unstoppable force meets an immovable object. It's like, well, Bolo, Bolo Young's got half of that answer at least. <laughs> 
<laughs> Could we just get Bola Young to fight some really energetic particles? Could we just get Bola Young to fight all of the mass in the universe? And I feel like we would answer this pretty quickly. Um, but yes, there you go. And there you are. I've just given you your segue into Bloodway. Uh, Bloodway? Bloodway? Your, your, your segue into Bloodway. Bloodsport, yeah. Scott. Um, Bloodsport. Now, because Bloodsport is... Well, blood sport. I'd either not noticed or cared prior to this. Cared about the uh, text appearing at the end of this film, claiming it to be a true story. <laughs> <laughs> I've got, I've got a screenshot based of that. on the real life exploits of Frank Ducks. Now, this holds up in as far yes. as this is an accurate portrayal of what Frank Ducks claims he did. Although, <laughs> at the risk of legal action, Frank Ducks is an inveterate liar to the point that if he told me water was wet, I'd assume the opposite on instinct. <laughs> Frank Frank Ducks is about to be elected to Congress, I believe. Uh, right, so here, John... Can I just say that I appreciate the fact that you refer to him as Frank Ducks because the film goes out of its way to mention that <laughs> actually it's pronounced Dukes. Nope. No, no, it's not. <laughs> it's not Frank. For me, he's Ducks. Yes. I know you threatened to punch the screenwriter in the face, but it's most definitely ducks. You may think of it as a slight. It is intended as such. Um, uh, here Jean-Claude Van Damme inhabits the persona of ducks as we are introduced to him training in some no-doubt top-secret army facility that totally existed before ducking out to meet his sensei, Senzo Tanaka. Ducks has been chosen to enter the Kumite, a top-secret international underground fight tournament that totally happens, as this documentary will tell us. (laughs) It's also one of those top-secret underground things that literally everyone knows about, apart from one reporter. But before we get to that, we need to flash back to a young Ducks and how he convinced Senzo to train Ducks in the art of ninjutsu alongside Senzo's son in Unheard of Honor. Uh, but perhaps the most notable thing about this segment is that he managed to find a kid actor that's more wooden than Van Damme was at this point in his career, which scientists had previously determined to be <laughs> theoretically impossible. Well, no, that's that's underplaying it, Scott. I, mean, I assume they got this kid to try and make it sound so he sounded a little like Van Damme, but Van Damme has been proven time and time again to actually be able to talk like a human being. <laughs> Please don't. There's this kid. I find it very difficult. To say, to, uh, I've got a list of comments in front of me in Apple Notes that I made because it's been a long time since I watched this film and I made about two pages of notes just on young Van Damme. And it's, I'm, I'm finding it very difficult to not mention any of them, and the only reason I'm not is because none of them are appropriate. <laughs> none of the, none of them, none of them would be deemed inoffensive. A lot of it's like the stage direction was again, but with less emotion. <laughs> like I, I mean, it's always it's hard to to not do this, but you feel bad about having a go at somebody who's a kid. But um, but the best I can say about the person playing the young Van Damme character, young Frank Duke's character, is that um, he does a halfway believable representation of a person wearing a hat. <laughs> because at no point did anybody show this kid footage of Van Damme, or let him meet Van Damme, or let him watch the dailies of Van Damme, and say, this man but younger, <laughs> the scenes this kid are in. Make it worth watching this movie, and that's my opinion. And I won't have a lot else to say about it. But <laughs> will will it surprise you to know, Craig, that um, that that young Van, that young Frank, um, was never in anything again ever. <laughs> <laughs> this is his one and only short, credit. Very short filmography on IMDb. <laughs> he's still he's still sitting next to the phone now. 
<laughs> just don't understand. My agent never calls. Yeah, uh, Senzo's kids had previously also been invited to a kumite, but he did not survive the tournament of death. Something, something, reclaim honor, something, something, vengeance. So off Ducks goes with two military. Is that how he died? I sort of I completely lost track during this film. It's like he's dead at one point. And I'm like, uh, did it? Uh, okay, he's dead, and I forgot why. That's why I took from it anyway. <laughs> This is Revenge much... me, Hemp Knight. <laughs> oh no, that was another film. This is how much um, this film's um, grabbed my attention. <laughs> so, off Ducks goes with two military investigators on his tail trying to stop him, one of whom plays played by a young Forrest Whitaker, which always surprises me. And <laughs> yep. Then I'm yeah. surprised that I'm surprised, because really, who devotes brain space to memorising Bloodsport? <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I... Forrest Whitaker is possibly incredibly the one person incredibly out of place in this film for the one person who might have any sense that he could act at all. <laughs> I, I I will hold my hand up to that, but we'll come to that in a minute, Scott. And I, but I feel like I've got to get out of jail free card, so carry on. Uh, Ducks heads off to Hong Kong, running into fellow fighter, American brute slash halfwit Ray Jackson, played by Donald <laughs> Gibb. It's good to see the BGs branching out, and Victor Lin, played by Ken Stu. <laughs> Strode a f the runway Do you make him say Kumate it's like saying uncle Talking about doing that spin kick again and again Just keeps going I'm gonna wear mom jeans and kick you in the face This is value this is content this is why we've been missing Craig. <laughs> Ray Jackson and uh, Victor Lin Kensu, who becomes their chaperone in the Fight Club scene. Ducks also runs into journalist slash exposition cipher Janice Kent, baby Lee Ayers, who is also the love interest for the irresistibly charismatic and beautiful Frank Ducks, at least as Frank Ducks tells it. <laughs> so the tournament begins with the combatants punching and kicking each other in various combinations leading up to a fight between Ducks and nefarious end boss Bolo Young's Chong Lee who is a big dirty cheater and also a murderer but it feels as though the film thinks that throwing chalk in Ducks' eyes is the bigger crime at least as Frank Ducks yeah. tells it uh, yeah. it's, it's such a strange way to eat my aspirin bitch <laughs> it's such a strange way they've created that character too because when they're warning Frank about the kumite at the beginning and they're saying uh, here's um, Bo Young's character and like, um, last year he actually killed a person it suggests that okay yeah. that's that was it was like out of out of um, the ordinary but so he's like he's really dangerous and mm-hmm. because he fights so hard but the, not that he basically he spends four or five different rounds you see him straight up murdering people <laughs> I was going to say I found it I found it really odd this time round to watch it because clearly on two or three occasions he like he picks people's prone people up yeah. and like snaps their necks but nothing's ever made of it except one of his latter opponents like his last opponent before ducks where they have this big moment of someone rushes out and checks his pulse and they're like oh my god he's dead <laughs> like, but what about the other three guys yeah. he fought before <laughs> who just straight he, up murdered people as far as i can see he snapped their necks or yeah. they oh did they get better <laughs> <laughs> really odd Obviously, this film is not a patch or into the dragon in any aspect, but judged oh, but alongside its contemporaries in the glut of Western-backed martial arts action films that ruled the 80s with an iron fist, this is resolutely okay. Uh, director Nick <laughs> Arnold actually has quite the reference list as an assistant director, and I don't think any of the problems with the film are necessarily of his making. 
Uh, Van Damme's fight choreography is fine, although it's not his best. The kickboxer the year later was substantially better, if memory serves. Kickboxer's better in every yeah. way. Uh, but it, it's at least serviceable here. Um, however, <clears throat> anything outside of the Kubite area is like watching, well, a bad actor. I couldn't think of appropriate simile there. Um, now, Van Damme would later go on to show a decent amount of charisma and even range and ability in the likes of JCVD and John claude Van Johnston latterly, mm-hmm. but here... Not so much, and which makes most of the non-punchy, kicky sections kind of rough. Even in Kickboxer, Scott, I mean, it's still quite rough in that regard, but Kickboxer is just, it's light years ahead of yeah. Bloodsport. Yeah, he, he comes on an awful lot. I mean, I will say, like, I, some of the stuff with Donald Gibb is goofy enough to be ironically enjoyable rather than actually enjoyable, I suppose, but Bolo Young, as we've said, just makes for an incredibly imposing antagonist, so it's not a complete bust. Um, in fact, it's although it's several cuts below any of Bruce Lee's work, I still like Bloodsport quite a bit. You're ever in a situation where you're choosing between this and Enter the Dragon, for some reason I can't possibly imagine. Um, Do not hesitate for a second to pick Enter the Dragon, but this world is big enough for both of them, and if you've any interest at all in Kung Fu flicks, Bloodsport is worth watching at least once, if only to see how much yarn Frank Ducks can spin. Yeah. I think Bloodsport is worth watching at least once, if only to imagine the alternate universe in which Bruce Lee didn't die after Enter the Dragon, and then this <laughs> didn't this didn't happen afterwards to fill the void. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and we didn't and we didn't have to wait till two thousand when Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon came out and made Kung Fu cool again in the mainstream. <laughs> um, I hadn't seen Bloodsport since I was a kid, so this is the first time I've seen it in a long, long time. And I'm not entirely sure I can get on board with the fact you should maybe watch Bloodsport once because it's not good. I mean, let's be um, clear. If you've not been involved anywhere in the world of martial arts, you've got a whole host of stuff to go through. You've got all of Bruce Lee's stuff. You've got a whole ton of Wushu stuff, the whole Chinese ghost story and all that kind of stuff. You've got all of Watch Jet Fong Sai Yuk. Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. Um, a whole bunch of Jackie Chan to look at. And even more laterally, you've got things like Tony Jaa to get through for quite a few of his films before you get anywhere near oh. sort of trawling through you, Van Damme's back catalogue. You don't need to look at Van Damme until you're in your 60s. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, but I think if you, uh, for some reason, have been if you are a sort of genre fan but haven't seen any of Van Damme stuff, then I think this is an interesting little origin story for him at least. Um, he'll go on to do somewhat better films um, and a lot of absolute garbage, which is you know, probably far more forgettable than Bloodsport and probably much worse on a sliding scale when he goes like more action-orientated, that kind of thing. But this has some interest to it, I think. It's, it's not. I don't think we should be written off completely, even though points of it are, are you know, wildly below par. I mean, it's, there are some fun bits. Some of the fights are interesting. You know, Bolo Young is a is a worthy adversary. Yes. And to be honest, I got more entertainment than I ought to have done watching Van Damme pretend to be blind and move around <laughs> like looking like Stephen Root and Old Brother Where Art Thou. Um, uh, I was trying to think of an, I was trying to think of an analog for that, and you've now was struggling, and you've absolutely nailed it. Oh, oh seriously, there, especially there's a I posted a gif in my Twitter of this, but there is a bit where he looks exactly like Stephen Root when he's listening to the records in that film. Um, Listen, the the best I could come up with in terms of analog to that, where he's sort of he's reaching out and he's doing that half terrified face, was the closest I could get was Paul Bearer. <laughs> the Undertaker's oh, like hype oh, man. The power of the urn. <laughs> oh, the power of the urn. Oh, and all I could do was imagine JCVD. <laughs> <laughs> the power. <laughs> 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 
All I could all I could do is go the closest I can get is imagine him just going now, Oh the power of the <laughs> But uh, I think Stephen Root's the better comparison. It's good because I have no idea what you're talking about because you've lost me entirely. Cool. So cool. Um, I followed this up the next night with watching Kickboxer and all I can say is Kickboxer's better in every way so it's much better to watch that instead of Bloodsport. Well, Kickboxer's got um, uh, an old Oriental fellow throwing coconuts at JCGD, hasn't it? So Im- <laughs> immediately, you know, know, Metacritic score of 30, which is at least one better than, than Bloodsport. There's something about Bloodsport, the... I just didn't find the impacts particularly convincing in the fights, whereas no, Kickboxer no, no. feels a bit crunchier, a bit closer to something like Enter the Dragon. Mm. And there is also that genuinely kind of squeamish-looking scene where he's kicking that palm tree in half. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's actually you, like and a you, really visceral scene. And you start to get sore as you're watching it, yeah. Yeah, um, that, that, that's convincing. I mean, I mean, I imagine he's clearly making contact with him, and I assume it's been a week, mm. it's a tree that's been weakened, but still... Kickboxer is better in every pace. I think if you consider watching Bloodsport, watch Kickboxer. I I do not like Bloodsport. I I had such clear memories of liking it, and mm-hmm. I think I must have been I don't know ten when I f- the only other time yeah. I watched it, and it's not aged well for me. Okay, you and I broadly are on the same page here, Drew. Right? I am incredibly sad that I watched um, Bloodsport, not because it's a terrible film, but because it's an important film to me. I also first saw Kickboxer when I was 10, Drew. Mm-hmm. And the reason it's important to me is because it broke my 18 certificate virginity. <laughs> it's the first 18 rated certificate film I have to see that. And I have the son of my mum and dad's friends, George and June Brown, Colin Brown, to thank for that. He was 20 at the time. We were around at their house as we often did. And Colin was uh, an unbelievably cool guy who was like, I don't mind this 10 year old kid hanging out. I like Craig. I tell you what, mum, dad, you're boring. I'm gonna take I'm gonna take Craig I'm gonna take Craig in my crazily oversouped Nissan at ninety miles an hour through Grangemouth to the video <laughs> shop and we're gonna rent a film on VHS. And we were in the video shop and I remember I was at an age where I was terrified to even be seen to be looking at a fifteen certificate film on the shelf because I thought my mum and dad wouldn't like it. So I remember looking at um what was that terrible, terrible British movie, uh, Just Ask for Diamond? Doesn't Do you remember that? No. Right, okay. I've never heard of that. Look that up in IMDb because I remember looking at it and going, yeah, this looks like something I might enjoy, Colin. And I remember Colin turning around and going, Craig, <laughs> that. Have you seen Bloodsport? <laughs> and I was immediately entr- entranced. And so we went back to George and June Brown's house. And my parents were there and like, what did we get? And my mum and dad were like, oh, what have you got to watch? And Colin was like, Bloodsport, it's an 18, but don't worry about it. And before waiting for my parents' reaction, we went back upstairs <laughs> to Colin's room where he had the six-foot Samantha Fox breast-out poster on his ceiling above his bed <laughs> and, his, and his ridiculous sound system that he just played Def Leppard through constantly. And we sat and watched Bloodsport, and I was enraptured. <laughs> And I wish I'd left a memory at that because I haven't <laughs> I haven't watched Bloodsport since. It's been sullied. <laughs> and I immediately felt like phoning Colin Brown up and having some sort of therapy <laughs> session um, and asking him, Colin, mate, have you seen Bloodsport since we watched it back in 1989? <laughs> <laughs> um, because, no, Bloodsport is not a good film. And I, I recall it being massively different than it was. There was some... There was some basic enjoyment for me to be had purely from a perspective of nostalgia. Mm-hmm. 
And like you say, Scott, there's a lot of entertainment to be had from Donald Gibbs' character, Jackson. <laughs> um, but apart Donald from Gibbs, that... Coincidentally, Donald Gibbs' IMDb entry, who lists him as massive six foot four inches, <laughs> this isn't massive. <laughs> no, not by today's standards. <laughs> have you watched Game of Thrones recently? <laughs> He's hardly half tall, to be is he? Have you seen The Mountain? Yes. yes. Yeah, so watching this, I was a little bit disappointed. <laughs> yes, if I put it that way. Listen, Jean-Claude Van Damme has made some decent movies. And yes, Kickboxer, which I think was that the film after this? Yes. Yeah. Yes. The film he made after this is um, infinitely preferable. I can't remember if that was a Canon Films release as well, but keep in mind this is a Canon Films release. And I don't think I had remembered that. I don't think it had occurred to me. But immediately when the Canon logo came up, I remember thinking, "Oh yeah, we need to do a we need to do an episode <laughs> where we talk about ah, yes. key, Keystone Canon films." Um, I do like seeing that logo around again. I always forget it exists when I go back to these things. Yeah, not around anymore. Yeah. So it's, it's a warm oh, cool. of dreadful films. And I actually a really good this one. Movie's going to have massive guns and or people kicking each other in the face. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I actually watched two canon films of late, which is um, Bloodsport, and then in preparation for another podcast we're going to do soon, Masters of the Universe. I'm like, oh dear, <laughs> canon, oh, canon, you wonderful, glorious bastards. <laughs> Drew, I'm so sorry. Yeah, there were three particular John Claude Van Damme films that I was really fond of in the 80s, um, mm-hmm. two of which I've revisited and the third I haven't. So one was Bloodsport, which I mm-hmm. was massively disappointed by. Kickbox, which I think still largely holds up as a martial arts film. The, the fighting is entertaining. That. Mm-hmm. The third, which I always remember as being the best, so I'm hoping it still will be, is AWOL. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't um, think I've ever seen AWOL. AWOL, I remember liking it. Cause AWOL actually had a plot more so than the other what? ones did which was like more of a straight up just revenge film Kickboxer is Rocky 4 but with kickboxing yeah I mean, it's almost identical the plot um, yeah and whereas AWOL was with underground fighting in Los Angeles and things it's actually quite entertaining um, yeah but Bloodsport is definitely the least of the three it's, it's, I would agree it's probably worth watching once particularly if you like Jean-Claude Van Damme um, I, I listen, this is I, I don't even know if I would agree with that and as much as much reverence as I held this in in my memory up until <laughs> now for, as much as much as I, as much as I held this film on a pedestal for 28 years because that's how long since I last watched it, I don't know if I'd recommend anybody watching it. As a martial arts film, it's it's terrible. I, I even when I think about when I watched this, which was a couple of years after it must have been first released. So, and at that point, we were way behind in the UK on like US releases and stuff. So it yeah. couldn't have been. Oh, I was like a year. Using that was back yeah. when it was like a good year between exactly. Here so this 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 must have been like uh, it must have been out for about a year by that point when I saw it mm. on VHS here and something. And even then, at the age of ten, and this is no joke. I remember. I remember at the age of ten going, Forest Whitaker's in this," <laughs> and. Um, but it's it's nothing like I remember, and it, um, from a point of view of uh, what we were talking about before with Enter the Dragon, with martial arts as dance as choreography, it's terrible. There is no moment in this film that yeah. is not ruined by slow motion where actors are reacting to hits two seconds before they land, <laughs> which in slow-mo is stretched out to like four or five seconds. <laughs> People are recoiling from from blows that are, that are to be struck in the future. It's not a good example of martial arts. The only positive I got from it this time was that actually 
if you're a martial artist, uh, sorry, if you're a martial arts purist and you're interested in seeing a demonstration of a broad spectrum of martial arts, actually a huge swathe of different martial arts are represented here. The only notable one that I think was absence absent from the fighting styles demonstrated was probably like capoeira but in place <laughs> of capoeira you get the crazy african guy who's set up for three seconds earlier in the film jumping up a tree who proceeds to take part in i think the two bouts that he takes place in by running about on all fours and hopping about in the mat his fighting <laughs> style is that of a monkey and i have no idea what martial art that is but those are perhaps the most entertaining 15 seconds of this film. <laughs> to watch a guy sort of befuddle like these massive sort of kickboxers and Muay Thai experts by running about on all fours like a monkey <laughs> and hopping around and performing roles and jumping over them at critical moments. That is the only enjoyment I got from this movie <laughs> on this occasion. That and the fact that um, Leah Ayers is quite, quite stunning. And that's a that's a that's a very shallow thing to say, but what a wonderful lady! I think it was Dostoevsky who said, "What is there to understand about a bunch of guys who have to prove themselves by beating each other's brains out?" No, sorry, that was Lee Ayers who said that at the point at which Jackson was landed in hospital by Bolo Young. And honestly, at that point, I wondered if this movie was far more self-aware than I'd given it credit for up until this point, because <laughs> that pretty much sums it up. What is there to understand about a film that revolves around guys who prove themselves by beating each other's brains out? There is very little merit to this movie. And even if you haven't watched JCV, uh, JCVD's back catalogue, you can pretty safely skip this, I'm sorry to say, and go straight to Kickboxer. Fair enough. I, I laughed quite a lot at this still, but it's, it's not really for the right reasons, so <laughs> no. I'll, I will happily let this one slide. Oh, sorry, the only other positive I have to say, and I, I have done great research into this, this movie, about two-thirds of the runtime of this movie, if you pick a random frame from this movie and put it through a random Prisma filter, two out of three times you're going to get a fantastic artwork <laughs> as a result. Um, so I'd recommend you try that. Other than that, Unless you unless you're doing an an art major or something like that, don't don't worry about it. Skip it, mate. <laughs> Skip it. I'd intended to kind of discuss some other martial arts stuff, but I think we kind of hit on the other recommendations I would have. There's a whole bunch of Jackie Chan, Jet Li, Wushu, older Wushu stuff, even the more modern Wushu stuff. You're crouching tiger, mm. dragons that you could get to yeah, yeah, long yeah. before you hit this stuff. Hell, if you just want an entertaining John Jean Claude Van Damme movie, uh, there's two. I would maybe three. I would say to you, there is. Actually, my God, JCVD's played a bigger part in my life than I thought. The first 18 certificate film that I ever saw in a cinema was Time Cop, <laughs> which is still value for money. And now I'm like, wow, what is this? What is, my God, Jean-Claude Van Damme and I are bound together like brothers. <laughs> um, Time Cop's a laugh. It's silly. It's worth watching for Ron Silver's performance alone. If you want to watch Jean-Claude Van Damme in a, an entertaining movie, Sudden Death is a fantastic diehard ripoff, right? I can't recommend it highly enough. It is so much fun. It's unreal. Powers Booth is amazing in it. And it's self-aware enough and JCV, JCVD is self-aware <laughs> enough. You have to really concentrate on those four. I really am. Is self-aware enough in it to be having fun ahead of the point at which he was recognised for having a great deal of self-awareness, which is the point at which JCVD, the film, was yes. released, which is... Which is at the time, I remember thinking it was a, the most outlandish concept that I'd ever heard for a film in my life, but it really does land. 
Yeah. I really like JCVD. The only proviso I have about recommending JCVD is to get JCVD, you have to have seen a lot of the other stuff. I'm not sure... Yeah, on its own. You, you have to have enough interest in him to understand a lot of what was going on in his yeah. personal life at the time yeah. as well, yeah. like the drug use and the divorce and all that jazz and everything. You probably ought to have um, seen even Street Fighter. Yeah, you know? and on, and honestly, watching that film, if, if, you would have to be really cynical to watch JCVD and think to yourself that he was doing it for the money. I really do honestly get the impression from watching that. It's the first time I think I've sat back but I started to get a hint of it with Sudden Death. But JCVD, watching that, I really did start to understand that actually he seems like a pretty cool dude and he is absolutely capable of... He, he is self-aware enough to be able to point a finger at himself and have a laugh about himself. There is, there's almost an element to that film that makes me get quite emotional and think mm-hmm. about like, oh man, he is actually kind of, he's actually kind of bearing his soul a little bit in this film and there's something quite poignant about it. He's clearly able to put fun of himself, which I always appreciate. Yeah. When we see there are videos of him trying to um, replicate his famous dance scene from Kickboxer. Yeah, yeah. Like 20, 30 years after the fact. So... Mm. Yes, other JCBD films that are probably worth watching. No, Hard Target. Oh, sorry, I'd forgotten Go Hard Target. Go watch Hard Target. Yeah. Or actually, of the film I've come to know as, once I realised that Face Off is actually terrible, the Hard Target is actually John Woo's best Hollywood movie. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Not as much to choose from in the end, really. Um, no. Hollywood never really found a, a good slot for yeah. John Woo. John, let's say actually John Woo's only good Hollywood movie. And anyone who finds themselves taking exception at that, I would say, go back and watch Face Off again now. I don't know, Drew, I say that remembering you and I sitting in the cinema coming out of that saying, holy <laughs> they finally let John Woo make a John Woo movie in, with yes. Hollywood money. And actually, when I watch it now, I'm like, ooh. <laughs> I'd honestly be somewhat interested to go back and see how much Wind Talkers has held Super up. Mario Brothers? I really, <laughs> want, I really want to go back and watch Wind Talkers. Shall we do that? Maybe. I think we could probably find a podcast in something like Windtalkers and something to compare it with. Because I remember um, sitting in the cinema going to watch something else and seeing the trailer for Windtalkers and shitting myself because we'd obviously heard talk of, guys, John Woo is making a World War II movie with Hollywood movie, uh, with Hollywood money, at which point everybody dropped a lung (laughs) and was like, oh my God, this is going to be the most apocalyptic thing we've ever seen on the screen. And I remember everybody being really disappointed by it, but I almost kind of liked it at the time. That's an interesting idea. I didn't, I was vaguely aware of the, the Navajo code talkers at the time, mm. but not hugely familiar with them. So, yeah. I'm actually going to reflect what Scott said, but in terms of martial arts films, uh, to mm. just go away from JCBD for a moment, yeah, there are there are plenty I would go to before I came to Bloodsport. The Fong Sai Yuk and Once Upon a Time in China films oh, in yeah. particular. So the, that fight choreography the with the wire work and stuff in it, it's ludicrous, but it's deeply entertaining. It's really well done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mostly I just wanted to mention Feng Sai Yuki once upon a time in China. Those, those will do you. So apart from AWOL, I've just realised another JCVD film that I've not seen, which is Double Impact. Is that the one where he plays his own twin brother? Yes, that was the early 90s effort where he plays. Is that worth a look in? Have either of you seen that? I have seen it, but I honestly don't yeah. remember my feelings no. about it Likewise, at all. It's such it, a long time. No, no recollection of it whatsoever. I was going to say, I have a horrible feeling that'll be one of those where you're like, I remember it being good. And then it's like, okay, it's 27 years later now. <laughs> <laughs> I can't right. really remember what I had for breakfast yesterday. So. <laughs> yeah. Ho, ho, ho. Teenage me was a dick. <laughs> so there you go. I think we've pretty comprehensively uh, covered uh, Enter the Dragon and Bloodsport in a way that makes our uh, comments absolutely impervious to criticism. 
Um, <laughs> essentially, you've just had a 30, 45 minute PhD uh, on both of these films. So if you want to take exception to it, by all means, at us on the Twitters uh, or on your Facebooks or um, well, I think we're FUDs on film on all of those. Uh, or what's that other thing that we used to do? Email? I think that's the thing, yeah. Podcast at fudsonfilm.com. Uh, by all means, take exception uh, to our viewpoint there, but understand that you'll be wrong yes. uh, and that <laughs> you're not one, going to reply. Uh, mm-hmm. Just one part of a pre-exception taken uh, on uh-huh. Twitter so far by uh, Stephen Nelson, at Scott's actor. Hello again. Oh, Stephen. Uh, who says that Enter the Dragon is the quintessential martial arts film with a funky soundtrack. And indeed it is. Uh, hmm. Even though it's dubbed, it has aged well due to several classic movie moments and Bruce Lee and Bloodsport is a below-average strip-off of Enter the Dragon. It's not even the best Jean-Claude Van Damme film. That'd be Hard Target. And I think mainly Hard Target is the best JCBD film because he is helping her look for her daddy. Yeah, I'm helping her look for her daddy. <laughs> Just while we're back on JCBD too, that you can, if you want to explore his back catalogue, you're probably okay with the original Universal Soldier. I would oh, yeah. steer you stray much away from any of the other Universal Soldiers, of which there are more than I care to think about. There, uh, wait a minute, yeah. because there's one of those I remember people saying wasn't so bad. It was one of the more recent ones where... Regeneration, was, maybe? Yeah, the first one where he made a comeback, and there, it was an up-and-coming... Right, it was an up-and-coming Chinese director or something, I think. He'd written people, no, The Return. Universal Soldier, The Return. The Return, that's it. Uh, I can't remember the director's name. I want to say he was a Chinese director, a Hong Kong director, and there was some weight put behind that as this... No. That's Mick Rogers, I guess it's not him. So maybe it is regeneration, and there have been more than you would imagine. Right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. By all means, check that out. But I, th- I think I don't think Stephen's far off the mark there. I can I just say that actually, yes, I know what I was saying before. I would still argue that Enter the Dragon, yes, is the quintessential um, kung fu movie. Uh, I, I I wasn't disagreeing with that. Uh, let me just preemptively say that yes, I just I don't hold it in quite the reverence that I did. But I think, especially in terms of culturally, the impact it had. Uh, I think most definitely it's the quintessential uh, martial arts movie. With that said, oh yeah, Hard Target. If you haven't, for some reason, you haven't watched Hard Target, do watch it. Um, Randall, Randall, Randall. <laughs> I hope you weren't going to leave without saying goodbye. <laughs> I have been Craig Eastman. Scott Morris was. Scott, Scott Morris. Morris. <laughs> and Drew Tavendale was. You can't remember the name you made up from me at the beginning, can you? <laughs> Crusher McBain, <laughs> <laughs> Bruiser, Bruiser McSomething, wasn't it? Bruiser McGee, maybe. Bruiser McGee. Like there you go. Drew, Drew, you were Bruiser McGee, Drew weren't you? Blaster McMassive. <laughs> <laughs> Chet Awesome Laser. <laughs> <laughs> Drew was Meat Tremble McMuscle. <laughs> if you don't change your Twitter handle to that immediately, I am disowning you. <laughs> I've given you a gift there, boyo. And with that, uh, I think we probably bid you adieu. Bye-bye. Fairly well. <laughs> <laughs>